Okay, Roker Tov, today's draft is Yud. We pick up with the new parak at the bottom of Tadamak Bet. We just finished the description of how they would actually take the money out of the room, which was called Truma Salishka. They're removing the Truma of the fund from the Lishka. We actually thought, saw quite interestingly how this was made similar to an act of taking Truma, and what was remainder was called Shiraim, the whole question what you would do with it, and would it remain sanctified, or so on. We'll be revisiting that in, uh, very briefly. This parak focuses us on on the question of what they actually would do with the funds. So let's take a look. Um, we've been saying all along that they would go for Kovanos Sibur. Let's see what's included in that category. Okay, so bottom of Teremudvet. Hatruma Mayuosimba. What would they do with the Truma? Again, notice the phrase of the word Truma. It's not saying like, what would they do with the Shkalim? So again, this is very much focusing on this as Truma. So basically, you would buy Kovanos Sibur. So this would be in the two daily sacrifices. The Musaf, which would mostly be an Ola, plus, plus a Chatas, but a lot of animals that were an Ola. And the Nisachim, the wine and the grain and, and the flower offering that would come along with them. All of the Korbanot Sibur with their attendant things that were offered on the Mizbeach. Shomis, I'm sorry, it's a line. Ha'panim. Now, other things that are not animal related also, but that are Korbanot Sibur. There are Minchas that are Korban Sibur. The Omer and the Shtehalechem for, um, for, um, Pesach and, uh, Shavuot. And the Lechem Hapanim. That also would be a type of a Korban Sibur that would come from the communal fund. The whole Korban, the whole Korban And any Korban Sibur. Of course, if this is the Bavli, you would expect it to say, you know, what's that coming to include that we didn't already say? Yeah. Yerushalmi doesn't even ask the question. Okay. Well, it is a Mishnah. I understand, but I'm telling you, when we get to the Gemara, it's not going to ask the question. Um, now, we had mentioned Omer, so now we're going to talk about an interesting aspect of the Omer. The people that watch the wild growth on Shemitah, on Shviyas, they get paid from the Trumas Halishka. What does that mean? It means during the Shemitah year, you do not plant the uh, grain that's going to be brought for the Omer. So, uh, what, what, what grain are you taking it from? Um, so you're taking it from the grain that is growing, um, like, just spontaneously from dropped seeds and, you know, the wild growth. Okay, but you have to make sure that you, that, that you have what to cut. So you have to hire people to watch certain stuff to make sure that other people don't get it. Interesting why that's not a violation of Shemitah, because you're not supposed to protect the stuff like you're the owner. But okay, but they're doing it also for the basin and for, for the Mikdash and for Klal Yisrael and so on. And then when it's ready, they harvest it and they take possession of it for the Beit HaMikdash. But the point is, you got to hire people to do this. Okay, so you can actually pay their fee from the uh, money of the Tumar although you're not paying it for the actual object itself. Nevertheless, um, that is acceptable. Basically, the principle here is Tzarche Karban Karban. So you can pay the things that are needed for the cor- to make it possible to bring the Korban from those funds as well. That opens up a huge range of possibilities, which some of which we will discuss. Um, we will discuss. So you can pay actually their fee. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Afarotza Mitnadev Shomer Chinam. Rabbi Yossi says, you know, you don't even have to uh, use money to do that. Because somebody who basically cut their own wheat on Shemitah, 
um, and is protecting, you know, you know, watching sort of, you know, watching it for free. Hey, I'll watch it for the sake of the base of Mikdash. And then goes ahead and he's not hired by the base of Mikdash and he harvests it and then he gives it as a gift to the base of Mikdash. So you can, you can do this for free. Maybe he was more tentative about using the funds to pay for secondary needs of the Korban. So rather than using the funds to pay for the Shomrim, he says, let somebody just do it and donate, you know, donate their time and go ahead and do it for free. So Amrulo, so they said to him, Apata Omer, no, but don't you have to admit that you can only bring the Korbanot from communal sacrifices, from things that were, you know, sort of uh, purchased communally? So this is going to be a question, thank you, that we're going to look at the Gemara, which is, can I, as an individual, make a private donation to the Beit HaMikdash for the sake of something to be used as a, korba, as, as, as a communal sacrifice? I come with my sheep, and I say, I would like this sheep. I'm giving it over wholeheartedly to the base of Mikdash for the purpose of Klai Yisrael. I want you to use it for a tongue. Can I do that or not? And that is the debate here. So when the, when the, when the Chachamim don't want somebody to watch it privately and then give it, cut it themselves and give it, that's because it becomes a personal, their personal wheat that then they are donating. And that, for the Chachamim, is not acceptable for, for a Korban Sibur. We have to buy it with communal funds. We don't want private donations even for communal causes. Now, the reason could be, we'll see in the Gemara, you could say that somebody never sort of sincerely fully gives it over and it never really becomes owned by the Sibur. We'll see in the Gemara that that's not true because the rabbis are prepared to have it done for other things that are communal, just not for the communal sacrifices. Um, so, you know, let that actually think about what that would, debate would be about and we'll talk about it in a minute when we see the Gemara. Yes, Charlie. Well, we just had Rabbi Gamliel sort of make a distinguished mm-hmm. private donation. Uh, um, that was giving his private shekel, but in the end it was mixed with the communal fund. He wasn't saying, here's my sheep, it'd be mockery of this as a korban. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now again, you could understand that the problem would be that even if technically it's owned by Claudius Ra'al, the guy is still going to say, look, you see that? That's mine. You see the Omer? That was my wheat that went there. And then it will lose some of that communal nature to it. Um, Private donation. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so let's no, take a no look. Class, no class. Uh, yeah. So let's take a look at the Gemara on this. So interestingly, the Gemara skips over the beginning of the Mishnah, goes to the second part, this exact debate, and it will double back to the beginning of the Mishnah. So let's take a look. So the Gemara sounds like this. Um, okay, now this is, uh, is basically a discussion that exists also in the, um, in, it's, tr- it's transported, but it will be relevant, from a Mishnah in Ta'anit. The Mishnah Tanit says that there were eight times which was man va'am. Eight times where there were um, of eight dates that were set aside for contributions of wood to the Beit HaMikdash. Um, and this was by eight families. Each family had their own date. And we're going to see in a minute that was based on a certain historical event. So basically, although the Beit HaMikdash would use communal funds, it's going to be an interesting question here. All the, anything that is communal, which funds does it come from? Because we're now saying that the shekel is only used for the korbanot, but there's a lot of things that need to be communally owned that are not just korbanot. Where are they going to come from? That's coming up Mishnayot. We're going to see where all the different things come from. But anyway, the wood is supposed to be communal, right? It's owned by the tzibor. And nevertheless, these eight families would have their eight dates where they would make their donations of the wood to the uh, communal uh, w- you know, wood stores. 
so for the Beit HaMikdash. So isn't that part of this debate of Rabbi Yossi and the Chachamim? Can you accept a private donation of an object that needs to be used communally? So that's what, why we're bringing this in. So let's take a look. Why were these eight dates sort of counted and, and you know, identified? So Ella, B'Sha'ad is the Brayta. So B'Sha'ad Sha'alu Yisrael Minagola, when they returned from the exile, the time of Ezra, there was no, you know, wood. There was no, a lot of things. They had to rebuild the whole, it's so funny, the phrase, there was no wood in the Lishka. There was no base of Mikdash. They had to rebuild the base of Mikdash. Anyway, one of the things they needed, there was a time when they were, oh, you know, they needed, they, they needed to, to load up their wood stores. The Amdu Elu Venis Nadvu. And these eight families got up and they made donations to, you know, to, uh, store up the wood stores of the Beit HaMikdash. And they gave over, you know, their own wood. And they freely gave it over to the, uh, you know, for the sake of Klai Yisrael. And they used that wood to bring Korbanot Zibor on them, on the wood, the fires that they made on the, on the altar with the wood. And the prophets among them, presumably Chagai, Zechariah, and Malachi, who were the last of the prophets, you know, sort of stipulated or, you know, made a pact um, uh, even at a, in the future, even at times when the storehouses will be filled with wood, if you families want to be giving your own wood donations, and it's a funny phrase because it's not only want to, it actually seems like, you know, these eight dates were dates where they had a, a, a standing practice to give. Anyway, we would A, take your wood donations, we wouldn't say, no, we already have enough wood. And B, we would use your donations to be the first thing we would bring the korbanot on. So you give these eight, these eight various dates. Each family has a date. That's a date you bring your big, you know, stuff of wood to the Beit HaMikdash. And in, you know, sort of in commemoration of how your family was so instrumental at the early stage, we'll take that wood. And that will be the wood that we'll start using this week, you know, on the Mizveach. So look, isn't this exactly this debate of Rabbi Yossi and the Chachamim? Will you accept private donations? If anything, it's even more problematic here because the whole thing, they have a whole big date and a holiday and it's labeled as that family that you make sure to use it first. So isn't this part of this debate? That's Both what Gemara says. <laughs> exactly. Well, not their said, their wood. And that's going to be important for the Gemara. So let's see the Gemara's answer. So Amar Rabbi Rabbi Yossi. So he says that whole idea that they allowed this to happen all follows the approach of Rabbi Yossi. Um, Rabbi Yossi says you can contribute your free time to watch the grain and presumably then you would take possession of the grain and give the grain that grew on Shemitah for the Omer so you see you can accept private donations Rabbi Yossi now just makes things confusing now we have Rabbi Yossi the Amora some have Rabbi Asi but anyway Rabbi Yossi Mishem Rabbi Ila no that Mishnah could be going like everybody when did the rabbis and Rabbi Yossi in our Mishnah debate the gufo shel korban relating to the actual thing that is going to be offered itself the korban itself can you take that from a private donation korban things that are enable the korban to be brought like the wood ko amamodi everybody agrees 
You can take something that was private and make it for, and use it for uh, communal, not literally korban, but for communal purposes. So we can take private donations and use the thing itself, not just the funds, but we won't do it for a korban. Um, again, the question becomes, is this a concern and more about like appearances that were particularly sensitive by korban sibor that nobody says, that's my korban. You want to say those are my, that's my word being used but to say that's my korban when the whole idea is that this is being brought for Klai Yisrael this is the Ikar the Ikar is what's put on the Mizbeach everything else is like a sideshow but that thing that is for the community that is for Klai Yisrael nobody should make a personal claim about it so is it about you know so it seems like it's something about more more like a policy issue if you would um, um, that we don't want people sort of identifying it you could ask is it also actually a, a strict halachic objective point does somehow the fact that it started as an individual's and he gave it over you know as a private donation I mean everything starts as an individual's but if you use communal funds to buy it then that then it was purchased communally here it started the individual and it was the individual's gift that made it possible does that somehow undermine its status as a korban board even objectively forget policy consideration so that's not so clear exactly what the difference is between why we'll accept it for the attendant issues but not for the korban itself. But now we're going to have another similar bright uh, or, with, with a sim- or, or with a similar debate. So let's take a look. Ishtani, um, we taught in the bright. Ishtani, levana. So if a woman made, it's interesting, we're going to see this in a little bit later too, when it talks about weaving and sewing, it always t- brings in women. If a woman made a white tunic, um, she can, uh, it can be used for the coin gadol on Yom Kippur. As long as she freely gives it over to the entire community. So I'm a Rebbe Yachaz, that follows Rebbe You can donate your time and basically donate the wheat so you can donate the, uh, the uh, white tunic that the coin gadol will use on Yom Kippur. Rebbe Yossi, B'Shem Ila, no, Diri everybody agrees to this. Ma Pliginan, what's the debate in the Mishnah? The Gufo Shel Korban, by the Korban itself, Avol V'Machshire Korban, anything else that it, it, that it enables the Korban to be brought, Kol Amamodi, Shui Mishtane, Korban Yachid, Korban Sibor, everybody says you can take a private donation and make it used for communal purposes. It's quite interesting because you would think that the clothes of the Koen Gadol on Yom Kippur, you know, would more, a little bit more be in the Korban Atzmo category. I mean, obviously, formalistically, it isn't. Anything other than the korban is just the things that enable the avoda to be done. One of the things that enable the avoda is that going gadol is wearing the right bigadim. But again, it is interesting thinking about why we are drawing the line exactly at the korban. The Yerushalmi never tells us why that is the one category that we are focusing on. Yes. Well, particularly the Yom Kippur bigadim, because they're only used once. Right. So you might more, oh so you so therefore what you might more want to take private donations or you're yeah. more or you're more concerned about private donations? Not, well, no, you're, I think you'd be less concerned because that really is only going to be used by oh. that one client ever. So for that one day, maybe it's not such an yeah. issue, maybe. But anyway, it's not what the Gemara says. The Gemara says it's all about the korban for the chachamim. Okay, now we're going to end this sentence. The Mishnah argues on Rabbi Korban Because we teach that those days, I'm sorry, it's a bright and not a Mishnah. Um, those days, the days, those eight days of donations of the wood are, um, were practiced as sort of, you know, family yuntivs for the families that donated it, whether it was the time of Korbanot, the time of the Beis HaMikdash, or not the time of Korbanot. It's interesting, you know, 
in the Bavli it would always be Bizman Beit HaMikdash or you know Afilu Shalom Bizman Beit HaMikdash here the phrase is Bishat Korban Bishalom Bishat Korban interesting different use of course the point is the wood was used for the Korban Rabbi Yossi Omer Einim Noagim Ela Bishat Korban Bavad they only have those holidays at the time when there were Korbanot at the time of the Beit HaMikdash now what does this do to prove a challenge to Rabbi Yossi or to prove a challenge now when it says Pliya Rabbi Yossi it does not mean Rabbi Yossi of the Mishnah it means the Rabbi Yossi Amora we quoted before which is just to make things confusing on you so the point is the following that if a, you see the Chachamim argue on Reb Yossi and they say that these days apply so look you see that the Chachamim who argue on Reb Yossi agree that these eight days were eight holidays and they, they accept the whole uh, institution of these eight days so the argument before was that only Rebbe Yossi, according to one Amara, would allow for this institution of the days of contributing the woods. The Chachamim would not allow for the contributing of the wood because it was a private thing becoming public. So you see, it's not true. You see the Chachamim and Rebbe Yossi debate whether it applies not at the time of the Beit HaMikdash, but they all agree that the institution of the donating of the wood was done by these families. So they all agree, you see, that it does not, even the Chachamim agree, we would allow the donations of the wood. Now, the problem is that who is the one who said that the Chach- even the Chachamim would allow these donations? It was Rebbe Yossi, B'Shem Rebbe La. So what does it mean it argues on Rebbe Yossi? So everybody switches the Girsa. Either they make the Girsa say, this agrees with Rebbe Yossi, <laughs> this supports Rebbe Yossi, or they say it argues on Rebbe Acha, because Rebbe Acha was the one that said it would be a debate between Rebbe Yossi and the Chachamim. You're looking for your Gemara? I don't know where it is. Okay. Several Gemaras. We are missing several Gemaras? Yeah. All right. I don't know what to say. All right. Uh, anyway, there, there's some Gemaras over on, on top of the Chumash. Yeah. All right. Anyway. All right. So that is, so this proves that even the Chachamim would agree that the, to the institution of the donating of the wood. And that supports, either it supports Reb Yossi's, uh, Reb Asi's B'Shem Reb Ila's argument that the Chachamim would agree, um, and it contradicts Reb Acha's argument. So now the Gemara says, and another proof that the Chachamim agree that you can accept private donations as long as it's not the Korban itself. From the following, Tanya we taught in the Brisa, I'm a Rebbe Eliezer, Bei Rebbe Tzadok, Anu, um, so the house of um, Rebbe, uh, uh, of Rebbe Tzadok says said that we are descendants of the of the house of Sanab ben Binyamin. Sanab ben Binyamin was one of the eight families. Okay, and the Chal Now that family, you know which day that family had as their holiday, the tenth of Av. Okay, so that's getting pretty close to Tisha B'Av. And here's an interesting story that happened once. The Chal Tisha B'Av, Liyot B'Shabbat. One, one year, Tisha B'Av fell out on Shabbos. So when do you have Tisha B'Av? When do you do it? On the 10th of Av. That 10th of Av was the holiday for this family. So what did we do? The Dachinu Asolu Motzei Shabbat, Tisha B'Av was pushed off to Motzei Shabbat, and that was the same day as our family's holiday because of these wood donations. Because it was our holiday, we began the fast, but we didn't finish the fast. We didn't even do the whole fast of Tisha B'Av. That's how powerful this holiday was, this family holiday was, that it was given this recognition that it could even override the fast of Tisha B'Av. You wouldn't have to complete it. Now, why is that relevant? It's relevant because it shows that, again, the idea of these, um, of, what do you call it, of these holidays was practiced after the time of the Beis HaMikdash. How do you know this is after the time of the Beis HaMikdash? 
because they're having a Tishabov. Okay, you wouldn't have a Tishabov during the time of the Beis Hamikdash. Uh, they did have a Tishabov in the, between the times. The first reference to it is in Yirmiyo. But anyway, uh, but you, you're having a Tishabov which shows it's post Beis Hamikdash, and we know that Rabbi Yossi doesn't hold of the idea of this as a Yantav. So obviously, again, the Chachamim hold that this Yantav applies even after the Beis Hamikdash, which means the Chachamim accept the idea that you could take these private donations of wood. So the Chachamim don't disagree with Rabbi Yossi that you can take private donations on things not related to Korbanot. They only disagree about the actual Korban itself. Yes, so. No? You, did you have your hand up? Do you have your hand up? Okay, yes. About what you were doing with Tishabov. Right, now you know. Yes. What about this concept of a, a personal yantar? That's a very interesting... So, you know what? We can... Yes. Right. Personal fast days, and there's also personal yontivs on a day that was not the nays. So, when we learn Tanis, we'll get to it. We only have to... Actually, Tanis is coming up. It's within the year, okay? So, don't worry. Hold, hold that thought. Okay. So, now... So, now we continue. Now we double back. So, that was fascinating, whether you take private donations of the objects themselves... And the Gemara is saying that everybody would say it's okay, except, and the whole debate is just for the Korban. And now we double back to the discussion about the Omer. Ha-Omer all those things you would use the Shekel, the communal funds, to buy. So the Gemara says, um, so, um, um, you know, we can, let's first read the, bri- the parentheses, it'll come up again, but we might as well read it here, it's also relevant here. Masnisa de Rebbe Yishmael, our mission is Rebbe Yishmael. Rebbe Yishmael Omer, ain Omer Bamina Surya. The Omer can only come from Eretz Yisrael, it can't come from Surya. Surya were the nearby lands, lands that were conquered by David Amalek, um, you know, Jordan and so on, um, and they had, there was a whole question about their Kedushah for, uh, as Eretz Yisrael or not. Now, what does, where do you see in the Mishnah whether the Omer can come from Surya or not? For the following reason. Why do you have to hire people to watch wild growth on Shemitah in order to harvest it to bring the Omer? Why not just bring it from stuff that was grown in Surya? Okay, so you must, you see that our Mishnah obviously holds that the only place you can bring the Omer from is from Eretz Yisrael, and therefore you're going to have special challenges during the Shemitah year. Now, of course, you could say maybe in Surya, if, the same, if you bring the Omer from it, maybe Shemitah applies by it. But somehow the Gemara's understanding that it's possible that you could bring the Omer from Surya, and the laws of Shemitah would not apply, or at least not biblically apply, and it would have been a lot easier. So if we have to pay for people to watch the grain from wild growth, that means that our only option is Eretz Yisrael. Yeah. What? What? When would you harvest it? Yeah. 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 So, right, so that is an issue, but I think Bidyeved, it's a good question, I think Bidyeved, even if it's uh, even not on the day itself, I mean, we do say Ksir Omer is Doha Shabbos, which would indicate it has to be the day itself. Um, let me, I'll check into that. Mark Charlie, you had a question? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can ask this question about any of the uh, Mesa offerings. Yeah. Uh, I presume they had to just stockpile enough grain for a whole year's worth of Mesa offerings? Yeah. So what, what's your question? So, I mean, you can't run out, you can't, where do you get the grain for the... Uh, oh, you mean during the uh, Sira period? Yeah. I mean, during the, uh, sh- uh, during the Omer period. Yeah, um... 
Yeah, uh, I mean, you could do your private, look, people, the, the grain wasn't us, sir. People could, gra- gra- you know, take their own grain for the private ones. The only issue was the communal sacrifices, and the only communal mincha, well, it's actually not true, because you did have the coin gadol's uh, mincha, mincha that was brought every day. But um, that was, uh, I think, his private one. So, so he could have. So he could right. So, but I, I think it's true. For any, for any communal one, you have to handle it in a similar fashion. All right. So let's keep on going. But it is a good question about whether you're cutting the omer not on the same day. Okay. Um, so it says like this. Taninon. We taught in the Mishnah, famous Mishnah in Kalim. Um, Esther Kedusha saying there are ten things that are holy in terms of geography. Each level getting holier than the next. Eretz Yisrael mikudeshes mikol haratzot, the land of Israel more than all other lands. Umayi kedushata, what's its holiness? Shemivimi menu haomer vabikurim deshealechem. Only from things that grow in the land of Israel can you bring the omer and bikurim and the shtehalechem. And they learned this from psukim, um, like here. Some of the psukim are quoted here. Let me let me get it to you. Um, let's see. Hold on. Um, by Se'alechem it says, Mimosh Vosechem. By the Omertis, Ktsartem is Ktsira. So Ktsira means the, the cutting of the land. Okay? And so anyway, so the, all of these, there's a Pasuk to say that they only come from Eretz Yisrael. Now, by the way, you could say there's a lot of other things that make Eretz Yisrael holy. What about the fact that it was the land that was promised to Avraham and so on? But this is talking about very much, if you would, almost the holiness of the dirt. You know, of the, of the, of the land. You know, not of the country. Um, so, um, so, the, the, so the way in which... It's, that is demonstrated is only from the grain that grows in that land can you bring Omer Bikur and Shea Lechem. Rabbi Chia B'Shem uh, I'm sorry Rabbi Chia B'Shem Shem Rebbein Kolatos Rabbi Chia B'Shem Rebbeinia to Rabbi Shmael and Rabbi Chia in the name of Rebbeinia says that actually Mishnah is going according to Rabbi Shmael Rabbi Shmael Amar ain't Omer Bami Surya because he says it can only be from Eretz Yisrael but apparently there are other opinions that say that it could actually be from Surya and it's not limited to Eretz Yisrael again it's funny which Rabbi Shmael are they quoting did he just have a tradition that Rabbi Shmael disagreed is it the Brita that he's quoting I mean we're always referencing a Rabbi Shmael but we haven't exactly quoted a source directly that said it. Okay, but again, this idea that according to Rabbi Ishmael, it has to come only from Eretz Yisrael proper. Taman Taninan. Now we taught over there in uh, where is this um, in Shvius. Um, Rabbi Shmuel Omer, Machorish Rishus Av Katsirishus. It's going on the postage that says, Bacharishu Vakatsir Tishpot. You should rest from the uh, plowing and from the, um, and from the harvesting. So what's it talking about? It's very un- unclear in the Pasuk. Is it talking about Shabbos or is it talking about Shemitah? Okay, so let's see what he does with it. He says that, first of all, we're talking about the same way plowing, there's never a mitzvah to plow. Okay, so when we say you have to cease Harvesting, ktsir, it means harvesting that's a rishus. But ktsir, that's a mitzvah, like the omer, right? There's a mitzvah, uktsartemet ktsira, that you would not have to stop doing. Now, when would you not have to stop doing it? So, there are two times you would, you're not allowed to harvest. What are the two times you're not allowed to harvest? Shviyas and? and? Well, yes, but, and? Shabbat. So he says, so you would be allowed to harvest the Omer on Shviyas. Everybody would agree with that, or else how would you bring the Omer on Shviyas? And you're even allowed to cut the Omer on Shabbos. Okay, that the Bacharish of means you only have to not harvest when it's not a mitzvah. When it's a mitzvah, you don't have to rest either from Shemitah or from Shabbat. One minute. So Yotzak Tzir HaOmer, to exclude the cutting of the Omer, Shu Mitzvah, that that is a mitzvah. And then the Gemara says, Rabbi Shmel Kidate, Rabbi Shmel is going according to his reasoning. Rabbi Shmel Da'ama 
ain Omer ba mina surya. It doesn't go. It cannot come from surya. Kedate. Um, that's going like his reasoning. The Amar yatsaktir Omer shu mitzvah that the cutting is a mitzvah. Now, why is that true? Why can't I cut it from surya and still say that it's a mitzvah? So the way the Yerushalmi is framed, it makes it sound like if I demand that it be from Eretz Yisrael, that more almost creates a ritual and a mitzvah nature to the cutting. But if I can cut it from Surya, then it doesn't really matter so much the act of cutting, because I can even bring it from out of Israel, and maybe I can't call it a mitzvah. That's if you take the Yerushalmi at face value. That is not how the Mephorshim say it, because that obviously is not a rigorous argument. And what the Mephorshim say he's saying is that if one of the things we're allowing is cutting it on the Omer, well, we wouldn't need to allow cutting it on the Omer if you could bring it from Chuslar. So part of his argument is, ah, you're matir to be done, you know, even over Shrias. Well, why would that be necessary? Now, uh, of course, it might not be necessary, but still allowed. But anyway, that is the, that is the argument that he is going to the Ate. Okay, was there a question? No? Okay, good. See, um, now we say like this. Uh, Babylonian argument there. Hey, you think? 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 You You think? You think? You think? You think? You think? You um, now, the Mosheh is like this. Um, so, Tana, show me Svichit, B'Shviyas, Notin Tzchar Mitrumas Alishka. Now, this is where we started, if we question whether we had this Gersa before, but to say that our mission is also like Rebbe Yishmael, because why do you have to hire people to watch it? Why can't you just bring it from Chutzlaret? So, Rebbe Shmeli, that's Rebbe Shmeli. So, I'm Rebbe Yosef, no, Dibri Akoli, it's interesting, the same Rebbe Yosef, Rebbe Yosef before, Right, he limited the debate of um, who was it? Uh, Rabbi uh, Yossi in the Mishnah and the Chachamim about when you take private donations. Here too, he's limiting the debate, and he says the Mishnah is Divrei Hakolhi. Um, there are times you have to hire people in Eretz Yisrael to watch it. Let's say there's not enough grain in Surya. Let's say they're having a drought in Surya. So our mission that says you hire people in Eretz Yisrael to watch the grain is not necessarily assuming you can only bring it from Eretz Yisrael. What it's assuming is that there are times you'll have to bring it from Eretz Yisrael. And if that's a Shemitah and you have to bring it from Eretz Yisrael, you'll have to hire people with the communal funds. Okay, now we say the following. Uh, we spoke about Svichim, about wild growth. Why, if, if maybe you should be allowed to plant the seeds that you're going to use for the grain for the Omer on Shemitah. Right? If we allow you to harvest on Shemitah, maybe we should allow you to actually plant the seeds. Plant the seeds, although the planting isn't a mitzvah. But that's the question. Maybe you should be able to plant it on Shemitah. The Bichiyah Bar Adabai Kumi Rebimana. No, here's why you can't do it. If you were to do that, then the grain would be usher. The assumption is, is that you act, if you planted the grain on Shemitah, even if you were allowed to do the act, what would grow would be forbidden. It would be the, the, the product of a violation of Shemitah. So if that's true, he says, you can't bring the Omer from that grain because then what's left is unable to be eaten. Right? You take the Mincha, you put it on the, you take the Komet, you put it on the altar, the rest of the Omer is Shirayim, is what's left over the Mincha, it's supposed to be able to be edible. But if you actually did not, took your Omer from stuff that was, that was like violated Shemitah in order to plant it, 
then it would be it would be enam neacholim. Mitzvah Babeve, but it's more technical in terms of the object. What the Bavli would say at this minute is Mimashke Yisrael. The Bavli learns from a Pasuk in Yechezkel that says Mimashke Yisrael, Mina Mutter Yisrael, that you can't bring a korban from Macholos Asuras. Okay, so that's what it's saying. A Mincha, you can't have it that it's not able to be eaten. So Amar so he said back to him, no, not necessarily. Don't you remember what we just learned in Sachin, which is that there are five korbanot zibur that can be brought to Tuma, uh, but they can't be eaten because only the Pesach, if you remember, can be eaten to Tuma because the whole point of the Pesach was to be eaten. Other korbanot zibur that can be brought to Tuma can't be eaten to Tuma. So he says, what about that? Same story. Your matami, the korban, it's not fit to be eaten, and we still are able to bring it. So if that's true by Tuma that you can bring a korban that can't be eaten, it can be true here. Of course, there's a bit of a difference because we have this principle of like Tuma Hutra, you know, and it might be a special halach of Tuma, but he's saying, you know, so what? It's Shemitah. So let's say the same thing. All right, is there a Shemitah problem here? But you'll still go ahead and bring it. Okay, so we don't really answer and resolve that issue whether you could whether you could actually plant the stuff on Shemitah itself. Obviously, the Mishnah suggests not because the Mishnah talks about the wild growth. All right, now we continue. Ketzer Huoset. Now, Ketzer says going back on the Mishnah where it says you're paying the people that are watching the grain. Now, the question is the following. You have this sanctified mm-hmm. money. So, Charlie here has been watching the grain and cutting it in Shemitah, and I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to pay him. Oh, you've been watching for 10 days. Here's 10 shekel or whatever I pay him per day. Where did the Kedusha of that money go? Right? Mm-hmm. Normally, you use that money to buy an object, to buy the animal, to buy the grain, and then the Kedusha transfers from the money to the object and you have this holy animal this kadosh thing and now it's a korban or you have this sanctified grain but if I'm paying for labor where is the kadusha of the money transferring so what would you do why right. is it a type of mi'ilah well that's it's another way of asking the question okay yeah isn't, isn't the money for the upkeep of the temple coming from consecrated money? Well, it's a similar question, so let's take a look. Okay. okay? So it's a, it is a general question that can be asked about where do you, how do you pay people for their labor with sanctified funds? Okay, now, again, we'll see later about what, about what funds are used for what, but this we specifically said is the shekel, truma salishka, which actually has, uh, the, uh, the, the money is itself sanctified. So let's take a look. So Kate said, who said, what would you do? You let a shuchani, normally that's a money changer, but presumably that what they would also do is, you know, they'd, they'd lend money because they have a lot of available funds. So you go to your friend, the banker, and the banker gives, uh, pays Charlie his $100, okay? And the notion the coach stream, and you give it to those that are going to harvest the grain and watch the grain, the shomrain, and you pay them, and the bank pays you with unsanctified funds. Um, and you pay them with the things even before it's time for bringing the Omer now we bring the hundred dollars from the Truma Salishka now Charlie goes ahead and he gives me the grain that he harvested so I say ah so I'm going to give you a hundred shekel, or I'm going to not give you. I'm holding on to the hundred shekel. You've already been paid for all your work from the bank. Okay, so I have hold on to the hundred shekel. You so have the grain. And what I'm going to say is I take the sanctity of the grain, and I tra- of, the, of the hundred shekel, and I transfer it to the grain. 
So Charlie did, doesn't get any of that hundred shekel. That stays in the base of Mikdash's, you know, ownership. What does we do with it now? Now we have an unsanctified hundred shekel. You know what we have to do with it? You have to pay, repay the bank. You have to repay the bank. Exactly. So the bank pays Charlie for his labor. Charlie then freely gives us the Omer, the, the, the wheat that he harvested. He's already been fully paid by the bank. We transfer the Kedusha to an object to the grain and then we use the hundred dollars to pay back the bank okay that's, that's the way we do it so then the Gemara has a simple question the Gemara says uh, the Tavos Cain is it good right to do that meaning um, meaning which doesn't stop the issue but the question is that, that it's not worth a hundred dollars I mean Charlie had to be paid a hundred dollars because he had to watch it for all that time but the actual grain itself is not worth a hundred shekel how am I supposed to transfer a hundred shekel onto that grain so Rabbi Yachav Hashem Rabbi Ba Koma Sheyitain Hein Hein Damav Mishal Rishona yeah whatever, you, whatever you're going to pay for it retroactively will say that that is its value it's a little bit of a trick but basically yes you have a hundred shekel so, and you need to transfer the Kedusha that retroactively is the value of the grain because of the labor that goes into it yeah although but here remember if it was a private, if, if, if even during the Shemitah, the, one of the reasons he has to be paid is he's walking the grain on an ongoing basis, you know, which is disproportionate to the normal amount of labor even during the Shemitah, because I can just go out to the fields, grab some free grain and whatever. So it is a little disproportionate, but you're right. Very often, if there's a labor cost, that labor cost becomes the cost of the commodity, and if it's a higher cost at certain times, okay, it could be that the Gemara's question was otherwise, was, well, let's read the next case. So the Gemara says like this, um, uh, we turn the price you would do the same for the people that would carve stones that you would use for the base of Mikdash how would you pay them what would you do you have the bank pay the uh, carvers the uh, ewers and the carvers before you put it on top of the uh, sort of uh, you know demos is the uh, like layer of stones um, once it's put on the layer of stones and the brick and the big stone is done maybe most and you so you then you take the money and you transfer the Kedusha to the stone and then you take the money and you repay the banker so the says with Tavoskin is that really the right way is, is that really like appropriate is that an equivalent amount same point now here the question is like you know why isn't it the right amount if that's what it costs to make a carved stone then that's the cost of the stone so some say well again maybe um, the workers you know maybe you know maybe they had an accident and the first few stones didn't come out okay and this stone did come out okay and you actually had stipulated with them that you're paying them for their ongoing labor which means even incidental costs and even costs you know, when things got messed up and they would normally would not factor into the cost of the object, have to be covered. So that's how the Mepharshim understand the question. And the answer is, yeah, okay, retroactively we'll say that is that, that really is the cost of the object itself. Okay, and this is how we do this trip. This trip. is a beautiful, this might be a beautiful description of the making of Herodian stone. Uh, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. The demos and the carving uh, and the cutting, right. Really yep. Okay, now let's took, look at the next Mishnah. Turn the page. Now, more things that are bought with the shekel, which might not be so obvious to be considered korban tibur. So let's take a look. Para, the para duma. Now, that's not exactly a korban. It's slaughtered outside the Beis HaMikdash, but it's called a chatas. 
and in many ways we treat it like a korban. The blood is sprinkled towards the Beit HaMikdash. So that it can be bought with these communal funds. But again, you don't just buy, it's not anything that's communal, only korbanot sibor. So the question is what fits in that category for being bought by the shekel. Um, the seir hanistaleach, the seir that is sent la'azazel. Now that's not a korban, so why can that be bought? So the answer is it can be bought because you don't know which is going to be which. So you have to buy two. So therefore, <laughs> so, you, so because you have to buy two and they start by coming together, you can use the shekel to buy both of them. Um, the Loshon shows the Horit, the, the, the crimson um, uh, strand, which actually was, it is not the strand that you is going to be for the, uh, when you push the seer uh, over, uh, over the thing and this thing turns white. We'll talk about that in a minute. This actually is what was thrown into the fire of the Paraduma. The Torah says you throw that in and you throw in some hyssop. And so this is part of the making the korban. So this is seen as the korban itself. The same way, you know, I guess, that the nisachim are seen as a korban sibur. This is part of the way you bring the, um, what, the para aduma. Now, um, all of those ba'imi trumat come from the truma, the taking of the monies from the lishka of the shekel. Keves para... Now, they would make um, a ramp um, when they would take the paraduma out to where they would take it. They would make this like double bridge almost, a bridge, a ramp on top of a ramp to protect it from Tum'ah. Also, what the Mishnah teaches in Yoma is that they would have a special getaway ramp for the Seir Mishaleach and the guy running from it so that because people would like attack the goat and say like and attack the person running and they pull hair from it get out of here you know t- get rid of our sins so they needed like a safe exit ramp so they would so that would that they have that for the Seir Mishaleach it's not a shin Kevesh oh Kevesh for a ramp yeah you're right Kevesh is a sheep Kevesh Right, I'm sorry, Kevish Param, thank you. Kevish Parav, Kevish Seir Hamishaleah, Ulushon Shabin Karnav, and now we get to talk about the uh the uh, string between the horns of the Seir. Um the Amasamayim Bachoma Seir Migdiloseha. Now this is obvious, the uh you know, sort of a um a channel of water, maybe particularly the channel that went through the Beit HaMikdash that they would use, um, or, but even not Beit HaMikdash related, the walls of Yerushalayim and its towers, the Chotzer Chehayir, anything needed for Yerushalayim, now that is not a Korban. So obviously we start with the things that's closest to a Korban, like the, um, you know, like the uh, string between the horns and the ramps, but the point is, these are things that are used for Korbanot, but, but they are not a Korban. And therefore, it does not come from the, from the Trumat Halishka, it comes from the Shiare Halishka. You will remember that the Mishnah said yesterday, or the Gemara said, that when you take the Trumah from the money, from the Shekel, what's left over becomes desanctified, right? Except according to Rabbi Meir. So if it became desanctified through the Trumat Halishka, now it can be used for even non-Korbanot and even non-Kidusha purposes. It can be used to strengthen the walls of Yerushalayim. So you use it for these municipal and these communal needs which were even non-sanctified. That's what you do with the Shearei Halishka. Abishol Omer, Kevish para konim gedolim mosim Actually, for the paraduma there, that was the uh, private donation from the Kohen Gadol. Um, and they did not need to use communal funds at all. Mosar Shearei Lishka, Mahayosim Bahem. Now, what do you do with what's left over from what's left over? Right? You did the Truma, 
and then you had all this funds left over here um, and that was desanctified and you used it to strengthen the city now comes the end of the year and you even have left over from that you didn't even use up all the funds what are you going to do with this money we should only have such problems so what would, what would you do with it you would buy wine and oil and uh, flour and you would sell it to the people coming to the base of Mikdash you'd set up a little shop and we would pocket the difference now of course it doesn't tell you what you would do with the, with, with the profit still the question is what are you going to do with all of that money but anyway that's what you would say base of Mikdash would use the money to, they'd invest their funds if you have anything left over essentially invest it okay do, biz, do, do a side business here with selling wine and oil Dime Rebbe Yishmael. That's what Rebbe Yishmael says. Rebbe Yishmael says. Yeah. Yeah. Hektish gets the profit. So you go, you go into business and then we'll just use it to make some pro- make a profit. Wait, who's, who's there? The Kohanim? No. I, we, it's, it's the leftover funds. Who's selling it? I don't know. We hire people to sell it. I don't know who sells it. We have leftover money. What do you do with your money? Let's get our money to work for us. Let's invest it. No, it's Sharei Halishka. The Sharei Halishka was desanctified. Because you took the truma. Let's again. You took the truma from all the shekel. That truma was used for korbanot zibur. We just listed things that are considered korbanot zibur. That's the korban proper. Everything left in that room is Shirei Halishka. That Shirayim. That is used for desanct. That, that it became desanctified. You can even build the walls of Yerushalayim with it come the end of the year and there's even leftover funds there so then the Chachamim say then Rabbi Shmuel says invest it so, okay make, so, do so a little business might have subcontractors guys that they were doing work with and this year take this and invest it yeah, I mean, or some, who, the geese boss, somebody's in charge right. of the fund, and he goes ahead, and he starts, uses the money for doing the side business. Okay, now, um, Rabbi Akiva says, let's see, well, um, uh, let's, let's take a look at what Rabbi Akiva says. Um, uh, by the way, the Kormanita says it's not even necessarily left over at the end of the year. It might just be that we have no pressing needs for these funds. Right, we've we've there's no nothing. Halavai, uh, we should live in a time that there's nothing that needs to be done in terms of the walls of the city, in terms of all that stuff is perfect, and we still have leftover money. What do we do with ultimately, this? Ultimately, because the gizbar, whoever's in charge of that, so ultimately the profits from those investments are going into someone's personal. No, 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 no. They're going no. to the base of Mikdash's account. In other words, it's the person who right. wants to trust someone with a portfolio to exactly. Make, make more Look, money. somebody has to make it's a decision when it says you use it for the wall, the, the wall of the city and the towers. Somebody has to make a decision. Right. What needs fixing? Who to hire? Right. You know, we're going right. to submit some bids. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, there's a whole thing. Right. There's a lot of money involved. Right. So whoever's in charge, the gizbar, and then there's money left over. So the point is here, you know, invest it for a rainy day. So that's the position of Rebbe Shmuel. Is the gizbar Kohen? Uh, pre- presumably, so the yes. Administrators of the right. Kohen. Yes. Okay. Uh, now, so that so that's what Rebbe Shmuel says. Rebbe Akiva Omer. Rebbe Akiva says, "Ain mistakrin Michelle hektish. You don't use hektish money to make it to do a business." Um, it's not it's not appropriate for a hectic. So I mean, it reminds us sort of about you know the uh, uh, the Jesus upturning the money changers in the base of Mikdash. <laughs> you know, you don't go ahead and say, oh, okay, so now we're also going to do a little bit of a side business. It's very it, it, it undermines the you know the the sanctity of it. And also, look, it's so much money going through the base of Mikdash's hands with all this shekel and you know hiring people to do 
all this type of stuff, you don't want it to look like their focus is on making a profit. So you do not want Hectic to be in business for itself. Um, that's what Rabbi Akiva says. Amy Stakin Bishel Hectish, Aflo Michel Aniim. And similarly, and this was maybe less obvious, if you collected funds for the poor and you distributed funds and you have left over, um, do you what do you do with it? Do you just put it in your mattress? Do you put it do you put it in the money market? Do you invest it in the stock market? And he says you even if for the poor you're not supposed to go ahead and, you know, try to make a business out of it. Now is it that it's not appropriate? It looks again like maybe you're lying in your pockets. I mean again, if you're in charge of the communal fu- you know, charities, I mean we know all these stories about about right, about presidents of major charities that line their pockets. So, you know, it could be that that's the concern. It could also be that, you know, the stock market can also go down. It doesn't always it doesn't always go up. So maybe the point is you don't fool around with that money and put it at risk. Right, but it could also be to be similar to, I think, the point of the mikdash. You don't want anybody to be sort of the v'yitem nikiyim idea from the other day. Okay, so let's keep on going. Now, uh, now let's say you actually had the truma itself not the what was left behind and the end of the year came and you didn't use up all the money in the baskets you, you, so what do you do with that leftover money and that is sanctified the shirei became desanctified what do you do with the leftover truma mahi osimba um, you would use it for gold plating on the walls of the Kodesh Kodashim so why of all things I don't know that you would do that I mean why that's comparable to Korbanot Sibor is hard for me to understand um, why of all things that's what would go Rabbi Shmuel Omer Moser HaPeirot what's left over from the fruit who is talking about fruit so we'll see what the Gemara discusses what that means that would go for the Kayetz HaMizbeach for the like dessert of the Mizbeach that, the Kayetz HaMizbeach is this, what I mentioned before that when nothing is happening on the altar you use some communal funds for bringing Ola so it looks like the altar is busy so it does not look you know um, um, so it does not look disrespectful so he says that's what you would do you understand that at least you're using the Shekel for some type of, you know, korban. At least that makes sense. It's not an obligatory korban, but at least it's some type of a korban. Moser truma, truma, um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no, I misstated it, because actually he says the Moser Peros went to Ketam Yisrael. We don't even know what Moser Peros means. We'll see that. Moser Peros went to Ketam Yisrael. Moser Truma with Klisharet. What you do with the leftover funds for the Truma is you use it to buy the various vessels of the Beit HaMikdash. Again, what the, and that, why that's appropriate for the Shekel of all things is not clear to me. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Moser Truma with Yeah, I was jumping ahead. Rabbi Akiva says, no, the leftover funds you use for the, for the Ketzamizbeach, for these Olas when the altar is not busy. That you can understand, right? Because that is at least buying a Korban with it. And that's what the Truma basically was for. No, I'm not inappropriate. Not like it's, it's wrong. Oh. But just of all things, why would, if you have to decide what is the leftover Shekel going to go to, why would you choose, oh, gold plating the Kodesh Kadashim, clay shares. Presumably, you'd want it to be something that's more about a korban, which is what Rebbe Akiva says. You would want it to be more in line with why it was originally purchased, I would think, uh, and why it was originally collected, which is what Rebbe Akiva says. Moser nisachin l'klei sharet. However, if you have leftover um, funds that were used on uh, for the uh, for the wine and the uh, and the flour, that would go for the klei sharet. 
um, because um, uh, Rabbi Hananya's Ganakoni moment, or Rabbi Hananya, the assistant Cohen says, so he probably would know. Most in the Sachim Kate Tamizbeach, no, the leftover Nisachim would go to the Kate Tamizbeach because there, there's a similarity. What do you do with the Nisachim, the wine and the flour? You burn it fully, you put it on the Mizbeach, and it gets completely, you know, used. So the Kate Tamizbeach is an Ola. So that would be a similar use. So leftover funds for the Nisachim would go to the Kate Tamizbeach. Most Ehatruma with Klisharate. And leftover truma, that would go for a cliche. And they would not agree with Peyrot. We don't even know what Peyrot is. I'm not going to discuss it now. We'll get to it tomorrow. So you have a lot of possibilities of what it can be used for, but you don't have any clear reasons. And, you know, presumably you want it to be something that somehow is analogous or in line with what its original function was. Not exactly clear what these different opinions are. I also want to say, by the way, that most of Nisachim is not clear to me whether that means the Nisachim that you bought, the community that you bought with the shekel and in a way then then why isn't it just Moser you know uh, Moser Truma because you have all this money one of the things you buy with it is in a Sachim what does that mean you bought too much wine and then you sold it back I mean I'm not exactly getting how the money is labeled Nisachim money it might be talking about private it might be mean that I set aside funds for Nisachim for my korban and I had left over and then I go to you the base on Nisachim and I say I had $100 or $20 left over from the money I set aside for my Nisachim what should I do with it and they'll say don't worry just give it to me so <laughs> but they put that in the Moser Nisachim fund so I think Moser Nisachim makes more sense if it's private money um, but you know then it would be somewhat different than some of these other these other cases let's take a look at the Gemara Kevish Para Rabbi Shmabra of Nachman B'Shem Rabbi Nonasan there are three strings. Shelseir um, Besela, the one of the goat that the Seir Mishaleach that you would leave by the rock, right? They would put it by the rock to see if it changed colors. I'm sorry, that is what, but that's not what Shela means here. They would they would put it by the rock, but Sela here means it's the weight of a Sela. Um, so Shomitzora um, B'Shekel or cost a Sela, the one of a Mitzora which they would use also in the um, you know in, in in the burning and in the uh, ritual of the Mitzora, that would be a Shekel which is half a Sela. So that would be half as much string, cost half as much or weigh half as much. Some say we're talking here about weights. So para and of the paraduma bishpeslaim is two cellars. Okay, so it would be twice as much as everything. So why is that? So uh, well, let's first read one other opinion. Rabbi Chuna de Bras Chavrin, we had that once before, Bras Chavrin, so the same person. Rabbi Chuna de Bras Chavrin, Rabbi Ba Bar Zabza, B'Shem Rabbi Shimon ben Chalafta, Shepara B'Shtei Slaimu Mechza. Actually, with the one they would use for the paraduma wouldn't just be two, it would be two and a half um, cellar. The East Mafkin Lishna Some say that they some have to say the way he said it was not two and a half shekel but ten zuz. There's four zuz to a sela. So two and a half sela is ten zuz. So like it's Ika de Amri, but it's a very trivial Ika de Amri. Rather than saying two and a half sela, he said ten zuz. Now what's the reason for these different ones? Well the reason the Paraduma one is so much is basically because it has to be heavy, because you're supposed to throw it into the burning fire, and therefore it's supposed to be heavy. Um, the reason the one of the Seir Mishtaleach was twice as much as the Mitzora was because you would cut it in half, right? If you remembered, you would divide it and you'd put half of it on a rock, and half of it, you know, would sort of, um, you know, would, uh, f- would be on the, go- on, the, on the horns of the goat. So therefore, it needed to be twice as big as the one you would use um, for the Mitzora. So that's anyway just these different types of, of strings and their different costs or their different weight. 
Rabbi Huda B'Shem Reb Shmuel says the following, Tamidei Chachamim HaMalamdin, now we're going to get interesting possible uses for the funds, and I have to tell you, this is all going to be the funds of the Trumas Halishka, which is supposed to be for Korbanot, and the whole point we've been making is only for Korban and not for Sarche Korban, not for attendant things that isn't the Korban itself. So you'll help me figure out why some of this makes sense. Rabbi Yehuda B'Shem Rabbi Shmuel Tamidei Chachamim HaMalamdin Esakonim Hilchos Shrita Hilchos Kabbalah Hilchos Rika How about the sages that would teach the Chachamim right? It's very interesting again this assumption that the rabbis ultimately control the Beis HaMiksash tends to be an assumption that the, uh, that the Gemara has so here they're not controlling it but they have all the knowledge so the sages that are teaching or the, you know, the rabbinical students that are teaching the Kwanim all the laws, where are they getting paid from? They get it from the Shekel. And I've got to tell you, what sense does that make? Right? First of all, you have to figure out how do they get paid. The whole problem about the banker and transferring, but what object is the Kedusha going to be transferred to here? It's comp- there's no object at all, number one. But number two is, there's only supposed to go for Korbanot. It's not supposed to go for anything that's not a Korban, even things that are associated with Korbanot. Okay, let's keep on reading. Reb Yitzhabar Redifa B'Shem Reb Imi Mivakre Nume Kodshim Notim Schar Mitzumas Halishka The people that would be check the animals for the Korbanot to make sure there are no blemishes. They'd also get paid from the Tumas Halishka. Again, that's not the Korban itself. Rabbi Yachal Rabbi Tanchum Barchiyah B'Shem Reb Sinwai Magia Sefer Ha'azara Notim Schar Mitzumas Halishka The people that would correct the Sefer of the Azara would also get paid. Now, that's a fascinating... Um, question, what is the Sefer of the Azara? Um, so some of them, of course, turn to, a, um, turn to a, a, a rabbinic source that says that what they, that what they did is they actually created a, a hybrid Sefer Torah. They had three versions of the Torah with slightly different texts. And they took the one that was sort of the, they did a democratic approach. And when there was any difference in text, they did the one that was, had two of them outweighing the third. And that was the Sefer Torah that they kept stored in the base of Mikdash. And that would be the, the, the Sefer Torah they would use to, on the basis of that, make sure that all the other Sefer Torah were done correctly. So some say that's what it refers to, that they're actually going ahead and checking all the Sifrei Torah and against this Sefer in the Beis HaMikdosh. Some say it means Azara here, or some have the gift, interestingly, not Sefer Azara, but Sefer Ezra. So that, you know, that Ezra brought back, Ezra HaSofer, and that he had the most accurate Sefer. Um, others say Sefer Azara is the Sefer Torah that the coin Gadol would read from on Yom Kippur in the Azara. So it does not mean that it was the... Um, and they would correct it in case, the, you know, they would have to proofread it and they would correct it. But again, why are you using Trumas Halishka for these funds? Let's read a little bit more. Gido bar binyamin b'shem rev asi shnei dayana gzeilot some have gzeilot no sin tzharami trumas halishka there would be two people in the base of Mikdash that would constantly be dealing with sort of like you know based in types of matters and they also would get paid they had to stop they, they couldn't do any other job they'd spend their whole days in the base of Mikdash they'd be the in-house dayanim and, and they would get paid from trumas halishka but it's trumas halishka you know again it's supposed to be only korban and where is the kedusha transferring to so women who whenever we talk about weaving or sewing it mentions women the women who would weave the parochet they'd also get paid from that funds no they'd get paid for the funds that were stored up for, to fix actually you know the actual structure of the Beit HaMikdash 
So ma ma polig. So what what's the debate about about where you would about where you would pay the parochet fronts for? Shmuel avid leki korban. Rabuna avid leki binyan. So Rabuna or Rabuna says that it's like the structure. Yes, it's a curtain, but is a curtain part of the structure or is it hanging on the structure? So he said a curtain is like the structure. You'd use the funds of Vedakabayas. Shmuel makes it like a korban. Now makes it like a korban. Again, you said might need it in order to bring the korbanot. We're going to discuss tomorrow whether you need certain things in order to allow you to bring korbanot. Maybe you needed it. But what does this mean again? Makes it like a korban. And the real question here, sometimes it's which the gears up. But the real question, and with this I'll end, is how are you using Trumas Halishka funds for something that is not a korban? And what the Mephorshim all say is, this is going to be a little disappointing, is that, yeah, basically, based in stipulates that if we have, you know, that if we need to use the Trumas Halishka funds for all the following things, that then, retroactively, it'll never have been sanctified for that purpose, it'll be chulin, and we can use it for that. <laughs> so we move from having the funds sanctified and a very narrow use of only korbanot to saying, but when we want, we can desanctify it and use it for a lot of other things that are not korban related. Okay, so we will pick up with that tomorrow.